Bachelor contestant Rachel Kirkconnell has finally offered an apology for her racist behavior. We're talking about the unwritten rules of being poor. It's a Reddit thread that is blowing up. And we're discussing the final film in the To All the Boys series with Ahi Sosifa. It's February 12th, 2021. Hi, friends. I'm Casey Rackham. And today we have another very special guest host. You know and love him from our DM911 segment. It's Stephen Laconte. Hi, Casey. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm so excited to have you for longer than 10 minutes. What a joy. And it's kind of fun to not have to give advice for a change. Like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not dealing with anyone's, like, cheating boyfriend or, like, shitty mother-in-law <laughs> or, like, bridezilla sister. This feels like a day off for me. I'm very excited. I know, right? You don't have to deal with all that drama. <laughs> well, okay. But here's the thing. We're going to deal with some different kind of drama today great, okay great we need to deal with some bachelor drama uh contestant rachel Corconnell has finally apologized for attending an antebellum theme party back in 2018 in her apology she stated my age or when it happened does not excuse anything they are not okay or acceptable in any sense i was ignorant but my ignorance was racist racial progress and unity are impossible without white accountability the antebellum party isn't the first time Kirkconnell has been called out for racist behavior. A viral TikTok pointed out that Rachel has liked racist posts in the past and has even posted QAnon conspiracy theories. Host Chris Harrison even jumped into the controversy with disastrous results. He tried to defend Kirkconnell in an interview with former bachelorette Rachel Lindsay, and that resulted in this exchange. If I went to that party, what would I represent I, at that party? I don't, I don't disagree with you. You're you're 100% right in 2021. That was not the case in 2018. Again, I'm not defending Rachel. I just know that I don't know 50 million people did that in 2018 between, you know, it's like there were that was a type of party that a lot of people went to. And again, I'm not defending it. I didn't go to it. Well, needless to say, Harrison has also apologized to Bachelor Nation. So, Casey, I have to ask you because you're like BuzzFeed's like correspondent from bachelor nation <laughs> thank what's, you thank you what's what's happening here well uh, first of all in response to rachel's apology everyone's like who wrote that for her <laughs> but you know yeah, what? I mean, she, in, in her defense she could have written it but this seems very much like because she's waited this long it's been weeks and weeks and weeks it feels like someone has crafted this for her it is a good apology uh it, it's you it's, know i would almost argue that it's like too good of an apology it like reveals that like she hired someone very smart to write it and it didn't feel to me like an authentic reckoning with what she did it felt like a list of like the sentences you're, you're supposed to say in the situation oh 100 and this actually brings me to sachi cole who's on our show a lot she wrote this great piece in 2017 with talking about apologies and stuff and it's like it's easy to apologize it's what you do right behind the scenes, you know? So I think that's where we'll see the real actions here. And the same goes for Chris Harrison, because my God, that clip is not pretty. Bachelor Nation is very upset. Some people are even calling for him to be replaced. I mean, I don't really see that happening because he is this show, you know, executive producer, host, etc. But I mean, yeah, he has, he has so much control. And yet, you know, it took us this long to have a Black Bachelor. So you know what? All of this seems like history is repeating itself. We've seen this, done this. And you know, like, what is ABC doing behind the scenes? They need to be doing better fact-checking of who's going to be on their shows. I'm very confused, Casey. Do the ABC people, do they not check their social media before they bring them on the show? That's what's wild. They say that they do, but they must not do a very good deep dive, you know? 
Well, they need to hire whoever it is who's digging all these things up as soon as the show airs. Those people are doing a great job of finding it. So ABC needs to get in touch with them. Truly, truly. Okay, so Steven, I want to move on to something that actually you wrote about. Um, You wrote this piece that was about the unwritten rules of being poor, and people have had such a big reaction to it. You know, so some of these unwritten rules were pretty relatable to a lot of us, like adding water to shampoo to make it last longer. Others, a lot of us may not have had to experience, like leaving the oven crack to heat up the house or not even handing over permission slips for field trips because the five to twenty dollar fee couldn't be paid. So tell me about how you came across this Reddit thread and then what the response has been like. Yeah, I you know, I cover a lot of viral things that happen on Reddit. And uh, this thread was it was sort of outside the bounds of like what I would normally cover on BuzzFeed, which might be more of like a pop culture thing or like a fun and light thing. This was pretty like depressing to me in a lot of ways, but it also felt interesting and important and relatable in a lot of ways. I've been totally blown away by the response to it. It's been like, you know, one of our top trending articles all week. And I think that the response is twofold. I think for people who are poor or who grew up poor, who are looking at it, they're looking at these unwritten rules and they're saying like, yes, that is like absolutely relatable. And it's nice to see someone put a name to it. I think the other half of the response has been people who have maybe always lived comfortably who had no idea, for example, that the cost of a field trip might be prohibitive. So I think it's getting to people in different ways, depending on what background you're coming from, but it sparked a lot of conversation. And I think it's been great conversation, you know, and I think it creates a lot of empathy too, just to like hear how other people live and because you live your life and not a lot of people know what's outside of that. Right. And I think for me, like one of the big takeaways from it was also just like how expensive it is to be poor and how that can manifest in like tiny little ways. Like if you have to buy paper plates every week because you can't afford like nice ceramic China, well, yeah, the cost of the paper plates every week is cheaper, but over time you will spend much more money. And then that also manifests in much bigger ways. Like with healthcare, there were a lot of people talking about avoiding going to the dentist or the doctor because they have no choice. They can't afford the dental cleaning or whatever. However, unfortunately that means down the line, they're going to be faced with much larger medical bills because they've been putting off these issues. So that was a big takeaway for me from it. I don't know if this was touched on in your post, but, you know, I think a lot of people are realizing now how badly structured, like, um, tickets are, like traffic tickets. Because if it's a small fee and you can't afford to pay that small fee, well, that's going to keep on doubling, then tripling by our government until it's at a point where you might have to go to jail because you couldn't pay that initial fee. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the government thing because I do want to say, like, I think a really necessary part of engaging with content like this, like talking about like, you know, on BuzzFeed rules of like being poor. I think a necessary function of, of reading that stuff is also talking about ways to fix it because all of the rules on that, on that list are totally unacceptable. And um, I wish that we could also take this opportunity to think about how we vote, where we spend our money, how we treat our neighbors, because we live in the richest country in the world, not to get on my soapbox, but we live in the richest country in the world. And like, no child should be going to bed hungry. Definitely not. Is that fair to say? Yes, 100% fair to say. (laughs) Well, let's move on to something like a little bit happier, shall we? Okay, okay. It is Valentine's Day weekend and a long weekend at that. Um, Whether or not you have a significant other at the moment, there is something we can all enjoy. The final installment of the To All the Boys film series is out. Always and Forever dropped on Netflix last night. Casey, have you watched any of the series? 
I have. I watched the first one and then I watched it seven more times. Which oh, good. Was, I know, which was then weird because the second one came out and I still haven't finished watching that one. And it's like no shade to that series. I just like haven't had. I don't know. I think I keep like waiting because I'm like, I know how the first one made me feel. And maybe I'm waiting for a time when I can obsessively keep watching it again. You tell me you watched the first one seven times and never watched the second one. Yeah, maybe it was just so perfect for me. <laughs> but it's just like, you know what Jenny Han has done? It was the first the book series and now this. It's, and then with the help of Lana Condor, who has really just like carried this as her being the star of uh, Lara Jean. It is so wholesome. It makes you feel like you're right back in high school. Like all of those like little emotions that feel like the most gigantic emotions in the entire world because that's all you have to deal with at the time um, if you're yeah, lucky. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm so excited for it but you know don't worry if you haven't watched it yet uh we will not be dropping any serious spoilers joining us today to give her her review and talk about the series legacy is buzzfeed's ahi sosifo hi ahi thanks for joining us today hey thanks for having me okay so first before we get into this movie i want to know this film series is so talked about and so beloved especially by the buzzfeed audience what is it that sets it apart for you? Is it the casting, the script, the Covey family, a combo of all of it? I think for me, what sets it apart is it came out at a time that like we were just so flooded with like, you know, white stories and like, you know, white people falling in love, which, you know, white people fall in love too. But I think seeing... Lana Condor as Lara Jean who like so embraced her Asian culture and it wasn't like whitewashed at all and seeing her fall in love and like her experience which is so authentically hers I think people just really fell in love with that and then you know obviously Noah Centineo he's you know he's not hard to look at you know I guess he's 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 what some would call attractive I want to say we don't want to give away too many spoilers considering the film dropped on Netflix oh, 12 hours from the time we're taping right now. But I do want to know, Ace, were you satisfied with how this all ended? I personally really loved how it ended and like kind of like the conclusion because, you know, without giving too much away, I see the three movies as three different love triangles. And the first one is Lara Jean, Peter, and Josh. And then the second one is Lara Jean, Peter, and John Ambrose. And then the third one, in my opinion, is Lara Jean, Peter, and who Lara Jean is becoming. So it's kind of her grappling with who she was and who she wants to be. And I think it's just like, obviously like their relationship is a factor, but I also think Larry does a lot of growing. And I think a lot of people can, you know, relate to what she's going through and how that involves Peter. And like, you know, Kitty is getting older. So she's starting to, you know, talk about boys and like, you know, I feel like we've been growing with these characters for the past few years. So like, to me, it felt like a natural, like, okay, this is where their journey ends for us, but not for them. Yeah, it's definitely like a coming of age story. And being a high school series, like set, it's set in senior year, which means they packed in like all these stereotypical senior year milestones. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, how does this film rate compared to other teen rom-coms that have tackled the same subject matter in terms of like the big high school senior year experiences? 
I think like, you know, especially in these times, I think that you have to get a bit more authentic to the college experience because I feel like, you know, in some other movies like, you know, the kissing booth, even though I love the kissing booth, I do not understand how like half those kids got into Harvard at this random <laughs> school in Sherman Oaks. Look, I'm sorry. I'm just calling, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just telling it like it is like, I, it, that doesn't make sense. But you know, I think the experience obviously like, you know, it's not 100% accurate cause you're not filling out the FAFSA and like, you know, like <laughs> going on like college board and being like, blah, 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 blah. But like, I, you know, the, I feel like the anxieties are there. The, the excitement is there. The, the bittersweet aspect of like, Oh, like we kind of have to say goodbye to this life that we've built for, you know, four years in high school, but also like, you know, 18 years, 17 years as like, a child and like you're going into adulthood. And I think the the movie did a really good job at kind of like harping on that specific feeling. To all the boys blessed us with, like you said, Noah Centineo and Lana Condor. They're both unbearably charming, good looking yes. people. <laughs> yes. Who do you see having a bigger career after this? Because, you know, Condor is already set to be an executive producer on Boo Bitch, but also Noah is in every Netflix thing known to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're both gonna, you know, be rock stars in their own right. I will say, I personally hope it's Lana Condor. Not, and that's no shade at Noah. Fabulous man. As I said, he is, you know, considered to be attractive. That being said, like, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's easy for him, but he is, you know, a tall, attractive, quasi-Caucasian man. I don't quite know his ethnic background. Like, you know, with Lana Condor, like, you know, especially, like, in these times, like, you know, where there's so much, like, persecution against Asians and Asian Americans, I want her to, like, rise and thrive. Not that she isn't already, but, like, I want her to be the power force that I know she is. So, like, you know, I'm hoping that, like, you know, she gets put in more things and, like, you know, gets, as I call, the Noah Centineo treatment. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. I want to piggyback off of Casey's question about Lana and Noah's careers after this. One thing that sets this series apart from other rom-coms is it truly feels like an ensemble in some ways. So what other performances could you shout out? And like, who do you think is going to be a rising star from this movie besides Lana and Noah? I actually think that not the number one, but I think one of the top contenders coming out of this movie is going to be, I think it, I think her name is Anna Cathcart, the girl who plays Kitty. Mm-hmm. She's, and she's on a She's roll. the youngest sister. Like she's the youngest yeah. in the cast. She's the youngest in the cast. But like, even from the first movie, I was like, this girl is funny. She has great comedic timing. She, she, you know, knows how to steal a scene. And I know that she was also in like the Descendants movies on Disney, which I love. And, you know, she's like a young Gen Z girl. Like she has a YouTube series, I believe. But yeah, I think she's like, you know, she's, she, we got to keep an eye on her. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she kind of, you know, goes the Millie Bobby Brown route and kind of like, they're like, oh, this girl's cute let's put her in something and then that kind of like piggybacks and like you know launches her career and then you know I am obsessed with all things Jordan Fisher he was already kind of like a name you know especially in Broadway before um to all the boys but I just again I want him in all the things because he is as I said frequently on this episode quite attractive um but also he's just like a genuine person. And like, I really liked his performance, especially since like he kind of had to, you know, come into the role of John Ambrose, who was, you know, 
described as this white mock UN type high school character. And he kind of came in and made it his own. And I was just like, I actually personally love movie John Ambrose way more than book John Ambrose. But yeah, those are kind of like the two people that I think are going to, you know, skyrocket. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about how to all the boys has helped the world of rom-coms. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL playoffs are here and the Super Bowl is right around the corner. You can follow the action like a fan or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Six podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us bring knowledge from careers as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. After the Super Bowl, it's draft season. If you want to go in-depth on this year's prospects and learn what makes the top players stand out, there's no better podcast than Move the Sticks. We'll break down film from the professional and college games so you can know which player to look out for when the football season returns next fall. You'll learn a ton about the NFL, and I promise we'll make it fun along the way. We'll have several new episodes dropping each week, and you don't want to miss a single one. Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Ais Osifo about the final installment of the To All the Boys movie series. Rom-coms are often looked down on by some people, which I will confidently blame on the patriarchy. Uh, but this trilogy is credited with helping to usher in a new golden era of rom-coms. Is that a statement you agree with, Ais? I 100% agree. I mean, like, one... I think they're just objectively good movies. Like I remember watching the first one and being like, I think this is like actually a genuinely good film. Like I would have paid to watch this in theaters as well as two and three, but also like, I think it really solidified Netflix as like the spot to go to for like, teen rom-coms that are like you know some of them are a bit like okay would this actually happen but then a lot of them i think are like you know pretty realistic and show experiences that we don't necessarily get to see all the time in like mainstream film it's definitely ushering in a new era of rom-coms specifically teen rom-coms and especially with millennial cuspers and gen zers who are like so much more open and so much more fluid with their sexualities and their gender expressions and their identities I feel like Netflix is doing a, uh, you know, a pretty solid job at tackling the Gen Z experience and having it, you know, represented on screen. 
So something else this series has given us is the wonderful, brilliant Jenny Han. And while it seems like this series is definitely ending, we're getting another series from her. It's going to be a TV series this time. What can you tell us about that? The series is called The Summer I Turned Pretty. And it's also a trilogy. And, you know, it's about this girl. And, you know, she kind of had this glow up, hence The Summer I Turned Pretty. And it's about her... Like every summer she vacations in some place. I honestly can't remember. I haven't read classic these books. Classic YA like, setup. Love yeah, it. classic <laughs> YA setup. Every summer she's like, oh my God, like these are my summer friends and like, you know, my summer life. And she returns and like, you know, she's always had a crush on these two brothers. More so Ooh, the older brother. Ooh, yeah, there are two of them. More so the older brother. And she's like really good friends with the younger brother. But then, you know... I think it's the summer she turns 15. She's like, Ooh, they had a glow up. And the older brother's just like, Oh, you're pretty now. And it's like, you know, it's kind of her being like, Oh, like, do I go for the older brother who I've always loved or the younger brother who I'm starting to realize I have feelings for. And again, it's just like, you know, it's about, you know, her growing up, her becoming more confident in herself, her coping with like all, you know, without giving too much away, like a lot of things, you know, happened to her in her family and her life. And it's just like another beautiful story of coming of age and, you know, what it means to fall in love for the first time. And if your first love is actually your true love. Ace, can I ask you a controversial question that has nothing to do with this latest movie? Please. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're, you've already kind of alluded to this, but I just want to get this like officially on record. We're going to take this back to P.S. I Love You, the second film. Oh, I already know what you're I... asking. Yeah, and I already I'm know team John Ambrose. <laughs> I am team John Ambrose McLaren. <laughs> I mean, for okay. context, a lot of people were upset that Lara Jean did not end up with John Ambrose played by Jordan Fisher, who ladies okay. love. So you are, you're, you're calling it team John Ambrose. She is, and what I have to say, and I think I think Ahis will agree with this, it's because yes. Jordan Fisher did such a freaking good Good job. That's exactly what it is. That's fascinating. In the books, I like John Ambrose and I like what he does for their relationship. I do think John Ambrose in the books just reaffirms and strengthens her and Peter Kay's bond. Jordan Fisher just did too damn good of a job. Like he, when he was playing that piano, I was like, <laughs> I was like, Noah, who? <laughs> Peter, who? What, who's this scented mayo what no idea like i just i i think the more appropriate response is i'm team jordan fisher mm, okay wow. i'll take that i'll take that yeah okay so he's this movie runs a little under two hours which means yeah. you know it's a long weekend so that's 70 other hours that i need to fill <laughs> <laughs> what other rom-coms would you suggest so if you want to say on Netflix, which, you know, I feel like that's the most common one. I really loved the half of it. It came out, I think like early last year, like in 2020, not it, like, you know, it's kind of like a take on Cyrano de Borjak, like the whole concept of like, Oh, like this guy loves this girl, but like, you know, he doesn't know how to talk to her. So he gets the help of another guy, but then the girl falls in love with the letters and not the person. And it's like this whole thing, but with the half of it, it's, you know, this really like, kind of dopey wholesome dude who's just like i'm just not really good at 
talking, but I've really liked this girl. So he gets the help of one of his fellow students. Her name is Ellie to kind of help him talk to his crush. And then in that Ellie develops a crush on his crush. And it's kind of about her developing her coming to terms with her sexuality and her realizing, you know, who she is. And also she is the daughter of an immigrant. And, you know, it's just like a beautiful story of like, you know, intersection, but also friendship and like love and how like love is also falling in love, but it's also like the friends you choose and the family you have and the family, you know, you want to be with. So I think that's a good follow-up. Also, if you just want to stay in fun teen land, the kissing booth. I know it's unpopular, <laughs> yes. but like stop I, pushing your kissing booth agenda. I'm not. Me. I'm not gonna stop. Y'all all better go watch the kissing booth and the kissing booth too. They are fun <laughs> films. I love okay? the kissing booth movies. No, what you. I will suggest is you go on YouTube.com and search for the kissing booth the horror trailer turned it into like if the movie was like a thriller it's so good that's what i suggest (laughs) okay ahes thank you so much for joining us thank y'all for having me once again (laughs) all right that's it for today be sure to join us on tuesday and enjoy the three-day weekend if you've got one and remember, this isn't a segment of DM911, but my advice here is not to attend an antebellum-themed party. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haberchak, Julia Karen, and Erica Nedanin. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mongesh Tikitar, Samantha Hennig, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, G! Leaping grab Devontae Adams! Plus, watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Wow! Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. It's time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Yes, sir! Head over to NFLshop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, T-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLshop.com.